is um, obviously after the solo work, mm-hmm. uh, Harrison goes on to be part of the super group, traveling will, traveling will. Why can't I say traveling will? <laughs> <laughs> Would you like some help? Why can't traveling I say traveling wheelberries? I don't know why I can't say traveling. Travel back in time to the eighties, reliving the advice. Carpe diem. Seize the day. The comebacks. Why don't you take a picture? It'll last longer. <laughs> and the technology. Are you telling me that you built a time machine? What of a DeLorean? Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Can you say stuck in the 80s? Welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your host, Steve Spears. And today we continue our Beatles in the 80s series with the quiet one, George Harrison. Oh, by all means, I'd be quite prepared for that eventuality. With me as always, he's gone trapo, Brad in L.A. Uh, I thought I was the quiet one, Steve. Yeah, no. You're the nerdy one. That's hey, okay, well, though. I'll, I'll own that. I'll own it's that. a podcast about the 80s. There's plenty of room for all of us. Unfortunately, this podcast is not just six words long. And nobody knows that better than our other guest, Just Drew. Hey, guys. How's it going? Excellent. We're, just we're, want to say there's something in the way you guys move me. Uh-huh. <laughs> Get him out of here. Have I said something to miss? Get him out of here. He's knocking the program's image. You know, I know you've been sitting on that one for a while. So. I have. I have. My delivery was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you're an editor. That's Jeez. Right. This is going to be a fun show to edit. Something um, in the way you move me. You move <laughs> me. Move me. A little more emotion there. So, so back in 1971, we began this series of uh, Beatles in the <laughs> 80s. And we started with uh, Paul McCartney, as you might recall, if you – it must was it this year or was it last year? It's it been a while. Actually, I think it was it in was January. January fifteenth. Yeah. So uh, go back somewhere in somewhere in the recent past. You'll you can find Paul McCartney. That was a great I'm show. Waiting to hear from Paul McCartney's lawyer. Yeah, yeah. So we thought we'd continue it today with um, George Harrison, and obviously we still have Ringo and John to go. Um, first of all, quick off the bat, anyone ever um, anyone here lose their virginity to a George Harrison song? No, Steve. I'm afraid it was just angry silence. Oh jeez, <laughs> that was from. You her. don't even have the. You don't even have the <laughs> dignity of a Thompson Twin song. That's sad. No, I. I. You know what's funny is I don't remember what song was playing when I lost my virginity. Yeah, I, I, and you think I, that's I something? I, I guess you're supposed to remember that, but I don't remember what song was was playing. No. Jeez, am I the only one? No, I think so. no, because Daly told that story too, and now every time I hear that song on the radio, I'm like, oh, oh yeah, the Lou Graham song. <laughs> Midnight Blue. Oh, yeah. Midnight there Blue. now I've tortured the rest of you. And then we told him about that during the Lou Graham interview. Yeah. I think it was like the first thing we told him about. We got that out of the way. Um, and that didn't make it uncomfortable. <laughs> not anymore. It's kind of like watching 40 year old version with your teenage daughter. Yes. yes especially, that. oh, geez. Did you do that? Yeah. Yeah. I kind of did that. I don't what know did, what we were thinking. <laughs> what, what was it? What was the motivation? She was in a she was she had broken up with her boyfriend. She's we were talking about watching a movie and she said that she wanted to watch a comedy. I was pushing for Shawshank Redemption and she refused it. <laughs> and, 
<laughs> and no, better my, off dead. I mean, come on. We've already seen all those. I mean, believe me. But I, you can't I, watch I, a movie twice. This believe kid has been steeped can. in great 80s cinema. So my my wife, and I'm blaming her, she's like, how about the 40-year-old virgin? That's funny. I'm like, yeah, it's real funny. I just don't know if it's you know appropriate. And uh, I was kind of voted down, and so we kind of watched it. And my daughter was like, yeah, that was the most uncomfortable two hours I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> No I mean, eye I mean, contact. What was it? No was there was contact. there one scene? Was there one scene in particular that you think, oh my god, I'm never gonna make it through this one scene? Um, for me, it was when he was trying on. I mean, okay, there was a lot of them. Let's be honest. I mean, there was the big box of porn when he's talking <laughs> about that, and the you know boner jams O three. Uh, but I think <laughs> I think one of the more uncomfortable parts was when he was trying on the different condoms, like he'd never even tried on a condom before, and he didn't know what he was oh. doing, and it was just like, oh, jeez. Yeah. At some point, I think you're allowed to reach for the remote and just say, check, please. I'm out. Uh, I, I would have thought it was yeah. a scene where he was where he woke up and he had the, the erection that wouldn't go away. And Yeah, I had I conveniently walked out of uh, the room and gone in the garage to get, a, get a, like a Coke or something. <laughs> I, wasn't, my taxes I, for I purposely stayed away from that scene because I knew it was coming up. Yeah, it was not a good plan. Wow. You know, but the other option was the hangover my wife was throwing out. So I was really kind of in a no-win situation. I'm blaming her. No, Kobe I think that would have been a better choice. It might have been. You're probably yeah. right. I have a really great condom in the 80s story, but it has nothing to do with George Harrison. So we have to oh, save it right. for a more appropriate uh, episode. Did, did so anyone someone please write in a PPTMN. Any condom in the 80s story. in the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've shared it before. But Steve I, almost know. became Uncle Steve. Did, did, but back to top. <laughs> <laughs> back, back on topic did anyone here have george as their favorite beetle um i don't think i have a favorite beetle or if you were a beetle would you be george well i am the quiet one so probably i wouldn't be any of the other three i certainly wouldn't be paul and and i you know it's funny as i actually listened to the to the paul mccartney podcast this morning while i was taking the dog for a walk and i realized just how much hatred i had for paul and i was probably a little harsh, so I'm going to dial that back. Um, and then my father came by, and I actually asked him, you know, who was your favorite Beatle? And he said, I'd really Elvis like Costello. it to be... <laughs> he said, I'd really like it to be John, but he's still ticked about the whole Yoko Ono thing. So, uh, well. you know, and and that is, that's the big knock against John, is that, you know, he allowed Yoko, as everyone feels, to break up the group. So it's kind of tough. I, I I would have to say of the Beatles... Definitely, George is is my favorite post Beatle. I mean, he was the guy I think that um, did had the most impressive stuff and and work post Beatles. Um, as for a really? favorite Beatle, that's a big know. statement. I know, but as we get into it, and and we, as we get into the songs and stuff, I mean, I'm I'm hoping I can make my point. Well, that's good. I, yeah. I think that in the '80s, to me, uh, George Harrison was the popular pick. When someone asked you who your favorite Beatle was, because you didn't want to be too obvious and pick uh, John or Paul, and nobody wanted to be a dick and pick Ringo, <laughs> so so it was kind of like the intellectual choice I mean, to say, oh, it's you know, it's George, of course it's George. Clearly. So I mean, that was kind of whether it was true or not, it was it was the hip choice. Well, did you just yeah. call me a pseudo intellectual? I think you've been called worse. I, well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, I I think your your points are are well made, Steve. And yeah, it's a it's a easy it's a safe choice. You don't have to defend it too much. 
Um, I, I, if you had asked me in the '80s who my favorite Beatles were, you would have had to remind me who they all were. Ooh, that's not good. I, I'm sorry to say you. that's just true. What is wrong I, with you? I knew who they were, but I, you know, not my. No, that's not good. That's not good. So then, Drew, help us out here. For the in the '80s, it began with uh, George with which album? Uh, his first album was somewhere in England, and um, it was kind of it was tainted by the fact that that you know John Lennon had just been killed, and his father had just passed, and so he was kind of like um, not really sure he was going to do a lot of albums. Um, it had a, a real kind of downward feel to it. The network actually kind of felt that it was um, a little too depressing. So they didn't even want to. They made him rewrite four of the songs. Four, um, but wow. he also, yeah, um, he also uh, had his son Danny was born, and so he wanted to spend a lot more time with with his family. So somewhere in England is it's not really a tremendous album. It does have um, all those years ago, which he wrote. He originally wrote that for Ringo, but um, after John Lennon was was killed, he kind of took it back and rewrote the lyrics and then came out with that that song and it's a fantastic song and it's a fantastic tribute to a man that george really did look up to and and the video for it while it's not a very good video um, but it's a lot of clips of the beatles and a lot of clips of john lennon and it's a really it's it's a really nice tribute to uh, his good friend Were, were they close? I mean, I, again, I've already told you I have no Beatles cred for the 80s. Were, were they close friends at all? I mean, well, I know there were famous rifts in that group. There were famous rifts. And the funny thing is, is um, George was the one that stayed out of most of it. Okay. He was the one that was able to go because by the end of it, I mean, like they'd all go to the studios and John would be in one side and Paul would be on the other and they'd kind of bounce back and forth. And they wouldn't even include each other on their songs. Um, but George was able to go back and forth between the guys and was – I don't know if it was because he was younger and he, he admired both of them. I mean he was only like 15 when he joined the Beatles. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I mean he was you know, pipsqueak. So yeah, he looked up to these guys and um, so he stayed friends with both of them afterwards. He just stayed out of it. He did kind yeah. of stayed out of it. And it was when he kind of said he'd had enough. That's really kind of when the Beatles – broke up because yeah. he was the one who was just like, all right, it's too much. Yeah, I can't hold this all together myself right, anymore exactly. kind of thing. His, so, uh, his, his famous quote, of course, is my the big break I got in my life was getting into the Beatles, and then the second big break I ever got in my life was getting out of the Beatles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's a sad comment, but it's true, and it, it's, yeah. it's um, for someone who loved the Beatles as much as I did, you know, I hate to, I hate to see that that's what happened, but, you know, George, George was friends with them, stayed friends with them. And there's a story that um, in a book by Al Cooper called Backstage Passes and Backstabbing Bastards, where he talks about, he was actually with George when he heard about John being shot. Oh, wow. And he said that uh, George was in the kitchen, just white as a sheet. And uh, he was real shook up. And so they all had breakfast and he took calls from Paul and Yoko to kind of talk about it. 
And it kind of helped his spirit. And then they just went into the studio that day and started the work. And he says, Ray, and I think that's Ray Cooper. I'm not 100% sure. Uh, but he says, Ray and I kept George's wine glasses full all day. I mean, it, it just, I'm sure it hit him very hard. Oh, well, yeah. How could it not? Yeah. And he had, so, his, own, he had his own brush with death a few, uh, not too long after that. I mean, maybe a decade or two well, where yeah. someone broke into his house with a, a knife trying to kill him, saying God had sent him. To 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 kill him because the Beatles were, you know, satanic or whatever. Yeah, right? that was yeah. crazy. And, yeah. and like what he had like thirty or forty stab 40, wounds. Forty stab wounds. Yeah, <laughs> this guy was a terrible murderer. Is in a, in a documentary hit, hit a guy forty um, times and he's yeah. still walking. <laughs> yeah, a guy who was, I believe, I'm not 100 percent sure, but I think George did he already have one bout with cancer at that point or no? I don't think he'd had the I don't cancer fight so. yet. No. Yeah. yeah, but um, his wife. Said that. Um, Wait, yeah, he George, had because he was diagnosed in '97 with throat cancer. Okay, and, and the this was in '99. Yeah. So, uh, but George said, "I got the knife. I got the knife." The woman didn't even. Know, his wife didn't even know that the guy had had a knife and didn't know that George had been stabbed. And um, she had actually took a couple of hits too, but she started uh, beating the hell out of the guy with a with a fireplace poker. So, <laughs> yeah. No well, you know, that. that's whatever you got handy at that. <laughs> yeah. Point. Yeah. Going so back. that was the first yeah that was the first album was yeah. um uh somewhere in england was the the first album that he came out with in 81 and the song all those years ago did reach number two so two and yeah and what i love about it is i mean it's iconic but also it has the three remaining beatles on the track mm-hmm. because you've got uh them kicking in and helping out so to me that's like it's still the iconic george harrison song of the 80s yeah oh really you think so okay really I, I will. I, I think it's a. I think it might be the defining George Harrison song. Period. I think the stuff. I think the stuff on the nineteen eighty seven. I disagree. We'll get into the other songs. Album I'm, I'm, are more uh, front of mind for people, but. <laughs> so so in nineteen eighty two, George Harrison follows up somewhere in England with another album called Gone Tropo, and this one doesn't go quite so well. No, this is was a really. This was George just trying to satisfy his contract with Warner Brothers. He was really, like I said, he was really unhappy with the way that Somewhere in England was received, the fact they made him change four of the songs. So he just wanted to get something out of the way, done. Let me crank this thing out and exactly. be done. Yeah, he he didn't really care about it. And gone tropo, by the way, is an Australian term for going crazy or mad. It's just kind of an Australian slang. But why would he use Australian? Why would he do that though? Why would he use Australian slang on this? I mean, that's kind of Uh, odd. He's well, he's kind of odd. (laughs) I mean, let's be honest. This guy's he's been kind of uh, always out there on the fringe, and and that's one of the reasons I loved him too. Is is that he he never he never really took any embarrassment from, oh, wow, I'm going to follow these yogis, even when it kind of became um, passe. He didn't care. Yeah. And I respect him for that. And, you know, and I know in, in the Paul McCartney podcast from five years ago when we talked about it, and I blasted Paul for not caring, um, this one I'm giving George a pass because, like I said, this was him just saying, I'm just trying to get out of this contract. I just need to fulfill this obligation, and then I'm done. Then I can move on. And then I can move on. And so, he really so, did kind yeah, of because then there's stop. kind of a break, right? Yeah, he took he took like five years off. 
and just but he didn't was. Even worry but he was doing some things. He was doing other stuff. He just wasn't. What was he doing during that those five years? Oh, he was actually doing quite a bit. Of, he was he was doing a lot of. Not only was he like getting on other people's albums and doing guitar work and session, almost like session work, but he was also really good friends with Michael Palin from Monty Python. And he, um, if I remember correctly, did he have? I can't remember if it was um, li- I think it was Life of Brian. He mortgaged his house to pay for Life of Brian. Oh my gosh. Yeah, Jeez, that's was, not just friends. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, I mean, he was a huge fan of the, yeah. of the Monty Python group. So he did a lot of the stuff with Monty Python, really good friends with Michael Palin. Um, he also started, Palin actually convinced George to start his own movie production company. And um, so he did uh, Time Bandits, and he also did 1986's Shanghai Surprise. Oh, really? Yeah. Not a good movie. No, not at all. Yeah, I mean, that's famous for who's in it and little else. Yeah. Uh, You know, Madonna, Sean Penn, and Harrison has a little cameo in there as a a nightclub singer. But he also wrote four or five songs to the score. Nice. So, yeah, so it's not like he wasn't wasn't busy. Yeah. Uh, He also did charity concerts and stuff like that. So 1987 was a big year for him because not only do we get the album Cloud Nine, but um, he also did the big charity concert, The Prince's Trust. Yep, and both of those were uh, the Prince's Trust was was amazing. But to me, I mean, Cloud Nine. When you talked about the quintessential Beatles in the '80s song, I mean, that's that's when you get some of the stuff that I think you really kind of know from George Harrison. I mean, he did uh, "Got My Mind Set on You." I got my mind set on you. I got my mind set. It's a cover version of a song, um, and George, it did hit number one on the charts. Yeah, it was a huge hit, and yeah. I, you know whether I think it's a, you know, a, a lackluster effort or not, when I think George Harrison in the 80s, that's the song that pops into my head, and then I hear uh, Weird Al right behind yeah. it. This song is just six words long. This song is just six words long. When are we going to do the Weird Al in the 80s? Oh, podcast? That's, that's like a four-part epic. We did an uh, interview with him already. That was, that was a weird interview. I don't know if you've heard that one or if you remember that oh, one. Yeah. I don't remember that one. I'll but back he, um, as with m- many comedians, when you interview them, they're, they're not funny You know, in yeah. out of character. <laughs> How dare you not be funny? Yeah, they just... I'm a comedian. That's my job. But you're talking yeah. to Al. You're talking now. to Al the businessman. Yeah. I, I've been the, Al the yeah. businessman's not... not is not in it to to make me laugh, so that was kind of interesting. The um, I was surprised. I did not learn until this morning that "Got My Mind Set on You" was a cover song, and it took me a while. But I found a version of it out oh, there wow. from, the, from the early '60s. This is the um, it was obviously written by Rudy Clark. Um, this is how the song sounded, as performed by James Ray with the Hutch Davy Orchestra. I've got my mind set on you. I've got my mind set. So there you go. Wow. wow. Check that out. Yeah, I knew it was a cover, but I never heard the original. Yeah, me either. We still have to do our covers in the 80s. <laughs> That's podcast. such a right topic. I've been dying There's to so do much that. Stuff there. 
like yeah. songs that you didn't know were cover songs and, and then hear the original and then stuff like and then and then 80 songs that would go on to be covered in future decades oh two-parter yeah, so i much. can't wait i can't so much wait. stuff there do you think that's only a two-parter i bet we uh, yeah well maybe anyway four. maybe four Stay on target. Stay on target. <laughs> Luke, you've disengaged your computer. What's Stay wrong? Stay on target. <laughs> so, so Cloud Nine's a great album. Um, yeah. Obviously, it has uh, compromise on you, but it has another song that I thought was pretty cool. Um, again, a throwback to his time in the Beatles. This song is called When We Was Fab. Back then, long time ago, when grass was Walking around, singing, and thinking about—I <laughs> love that song. I can't stop whistling that stupid song. I mean, it's not a stupid song; it's a nice song. No, like, it, it, I'm it's driving kind of, everyone I live with crazy. Yeah, it's kind of simplistic, um, but it's so Beatles. I mean, this one was produced by Jeff Lynn from ELO, and it—he's—he is a full-on Beatle maniac, yeah. and admittedly, and so it's not surprising to me that it has both the, the sound of ELO. And the, the sound layers. of the Beatles in it. It's yeah, it's so layered. And it's to me, that is that is the quintessential George Harrison song. And I love it because it is such it is for from him a love song to his time in the Beatles. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll, I'll tell you, I listened to that recently and I was like, you know, I do remember this song. I remember the video from then and I remember kind of thinking, eh. but as a 47 year old, you know, I hear that song and I see it, and I and I can appreciate kind of the wistfulness of it mm-hmm. a little bit better. Yeah, you know? I mean, is, does, isn't there some part of you that that transfers the message of this into the message of stuck in the eighties? Absolutely, absolutely. And, That's exactly yeah. you said it better than I did, Steve. Absolutely, <laughs> I'm a writer. No surprise. I'm a writer, not a lover. <laughs> <laughs> some people, you know, not have a way with words. <laughs> Good said. So here's the final ointment. As it is, so Harrison finishes up his his uh, solo career and joins a supergroup of the '80s, not Asia, but the <laughs> Traveling Wilburys. Yep. Um, Sean Dale and I used to argue about this all the time about great great supergroups of the '80s, and there really aren't a lot. It really boils down to Asia or the Traveling Wilburys. Not damn and, Yankees. Oh well, that that <laughs> English. Yeah. So there's 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 four. Does the Traveling Wilburys rank yeah. at the top of any of your lists? Boy, they uh, – I mean, I love me some Asia. I think I put them above these guys, but this is a group with an awful lot of firepower in it. Too much firepower, though. Uh, impossible. Yeah, I disagree. Take that back, Spears. It's, it's a ton of firepower, and there was so much respect amongst all the guys um, that it, it made it – they made it fun to watch. I, I mean – it, it kind of it kind of fell into place because again, uh, Jeff Lynn had just finished doing uh, Cloud Nine or was it Cloud Nine, whatever it was, um, with George Cloud nine, and 10, whatever it takes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cloud ten, eleven, and um, 
they kind of got together with Roy Orbison because Jeff was was doing some stuff with Roy, and then George was with. If I remember in the documentary, George was kind of hanging out with Tom Petty and said, "Hey, we're going to go over to Bob Dylan's and record some stuff. You want to come with me?" And like, no, I'm like, trying yeah, on TV. I was going to yeah. get my car washed. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, Tom Petty was like, yeah, sure. So they went over there, and they just uh, started kind of recording stuff. And they actually were looking for a song for a B-side of one of the Cloud Nine singles. And um, that's kind of how they got the Traveling Wilburys together. And the first song that they recorded, the studio was like, yeah, this has got to be more than just one song. We want an album. This is too much fun. And that song, of course, is Handle With Care. This supergroup brought Roy Orbison to a whole new generation of people. I mean, they'd never heard of Roy Orbison otherwise. Uh, I think I, I want to disagree cool. with you. I there. think he, yeah. I think he experienced quite a renaissance as a as a result of being exposed through this group. Possibly, but it's hard Although to say he did because die I mean, right it's away. not like those guys were all from. I mean, George was a little, um, uh, Roy was a little bit older older than the rest of them, but. Um, he, those the guys in that group were all older, so it's not like I guess I guess not. I guess that could be kind of true because I guess Petty was still in his heyday. And well, yeah, I mean Tom Petty was still yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, he's still he's no, still great. You guys know how the Traveling Wilburys got their name? Uh, no, they were Lynn and Harrison were talking about the mix, and they said, uh, "Yeah, we're having if we have any we'll mistakes, we'll just we'll bury it in the mix." Oh, nice! I love so it. I love it. And Handle Jeez. With Care, literally, Tom Petty says that uh, they were trying to come up with lyrics, and, and Harrison looked over and saw a box, and he said, it's called Handle With Care. And that was how that... that <laughs> Isn't that funny? That's fantastic. Yeah, only, only like a Beatle can, can do something like that. I mean, Brad or I do that. We come up, there's a box. It says Handle yeah. With Care. Everyone would be like, you're an idiot. Yeah, yeah we'd go, a real uh, song it's title. called This Side Up. That's you're drunk, Brad. Say. Go home. Like, yeah. Oh man, I don't know. I, I I like handled care. I don't so much like into the line, um, you know. But I mean, th- certainly they had a place in the eighties. I don't think of the traveling Wilburys as being an eighties phenomenon. I mean, they're just kind of well. They were so late in the eighties. Yeah, they didn't really. I mean, well, Steve, you had famously moved on at that point. You know, yeah, anything after eighty seven and beyond. Yeah, I'd moved on. Yeah. But I think so, this is, uh, yeah, I, I think we can lay this very, very uh, handily into the 80s, and we should. And you're wrong that there's too much firepower in this group. <laughs> yeah. They're all guitarists. I mean, so? it's, it's like, it's too much. Well, I mean, it's like Randy and the Redwoods and the Guitar Army. Can we find like a drummer from the from the you know, 60s either. or 70s to bring onto the group? Can we yeah, find Ringo a, was busy. Uh, I, I don't know. It just. Ringo was in rehab at that of, point, wasn't uh, it? Indulgence. <laughs> 
It's just it's too indulgent. It's no, just too. Oh, I disagree. I completely yeah, too, disagree. It is fine. So what if they're all guitarists? They're having a good time together, and they're letting us in on it. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. Fine. I just I had something else to do that day. That's all I'm saying. I, I don't I don't want to be. You know what? Don't it. listen to it then. I'm yeah. coming over to your house. And I don't I'm breaking those. CDs I never bought out. it. I never bought this stuff. I when it came on the radio, I turned the channel. When it when the video came on, I found something else to watch. I'd rather watch an episode of Gilligan's Island wow. than watch a video for End of the Line. Then you're a poorer man for it. <laughs> That's all I'm gonna say. No, we I all make choices, I, Steve. Some good, yeah. some bad. I, hey, I've made choice, some choices. <laughs> let's just let's not need to go through them this all. This one's way down on the list of yeah. major life. Yeah, you know, regrets. I've had a few, but, but traveling wheelberries that ain't one of them. On the list. <laughs> is so it self indulgent? Maybe it is, but the fact that they're willing to share it with us that way and on those terms, I think, is pretty awesome. You know what else I think is pretty awesome? The, the Seggies. Ah, by the sound of the tone, it must be time for Reader Mailbag. And we have two letters this week. The first one is from Crash in Long Beach, our old friend. Uh, Drew, you have the honors this week. All right. It says, it was great to hear you guys back again, and especially all the Segis. That was nice, by the way. Looking forward to more shows after your June business trip. I hate it when work gets in the way, but that's usually when I listen to you guys is at work with the headphones on. Of course, it drives my coworkers crazy when I suddenly burst out laughing and they can't hear why. In any case, I was particularly interested in your list of possible show topics. And from that list, I want to implore you to do a show on Fletch. It is one of my all-time favorite movies from the 80s and next to Caddyshack, probably the one we quote most. You know, if I did some sit-ups in the morning or bent over like this, I'd probably feel 100% Moon River. Thank you, Doc. You ever serve time? Breathe easy. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, you using the whole fist, Doc? Uh, take care, Crash from Long Beach. Yeah, we have been talking about doing a show on Fletch for a while. In fact, I think I think we may have even done show notes on it once. Yeah, and I just, know we were. Yeah, we were spinning up for it. We just haven't gotten something it happened. done. Did you guys? It's ever weird. Read the books? No. no. Oh, there are books. Oh yeah, they're should fantastic. There's like probably three do or that. Four. <laughs> All right. I guess, right. I guess we could do that. Let me I get me my Kindle. Yeah, yeah, I, I can tell you this one thing. Crash the, the, the June business trip is off. I've been I've been rescued. You mean I have so. to do more podcasts with you? Yeah, you have to. Okay. I was supposed to go down to the Dominican Republic for twelve days on a business trip, but there's too much going on at the office, and so I can't get away. And so, poor Steve, stuck in Florida, uh, stuck in the eighties. So, uh, reader mailbag letter number two from Mike Reeser. Did we decide his name was Reeser? That seems reasonable. <laughs> and uh, uh, Richmond, Virginia, Brad, you you have the honors. I'll take this one. <clears throat> Let me clear my throat. Stephen Brad, I know that there are a lot of 30th anniversaries coming up for 80s Nation, but I'd like to suggest a podcast dedicated to the 30th anniversary of The Karate Kid, released June 22nd, 1984. Wow, that just uh, makes me feel so old. As a 13-year-old, I entered the Metropolitan Theater in my hometown of Morgantown, West Virginia, for the last showing of the day of Karate Kid during its first week of release. I had read a brief summary of the movie in the Scholastic Magazine at school. Oh. <laughs> Remember that? That's yeah. the world's cheapest paper. Like, I don't know, you know, you find really inexpensive trees to make that out of. So, anyway, I read about it in the Scholastic Magazine at school and really enjoyed it. So, I was looking forward to the movie. As I walked out of the theater that evening, I said to myself, that is the best movie I've ever seen. 
in the next 30 years, I've never had that feeling again. So it remains today at the top of my all-time list. Wow. That's cool. That is cool. The relationship between Daniel and Mr. Miyagi and the absolute smoking hotness of Elizabeth Shue are just the tip of the iceberg of this timeless classic. I'd love to hear your full-length episode take. Wax on, wax off. Wax on, wax off. Wax on, hot. Wax off. Concentrate. Look at my eye. Lock a hand. Thumb inside. Wax on. Hot. Wax off. Hot. I make my request respectfully stuck in the 80s. Mike Reisner in Richmond, Virginia. It, it's hard to believe we've never done Karate Kid. I know. And you know what? I've never... It, I know I have like movies. at least three DVDs of it. <laughs> <laughs> They're stacked around here like locusts. I mean... I, um, geez, I, I can't imagine. I, I when I, I remember seeing the movie, thinking it was a great movie, I enjoyed it, but I, I don't know where it ranks on my list of great movies of the '80s. Probably just outside the top ten. Yeah, it's not one of my top ten either. But that moment where Mr. Miyagi shows him that while he thought he was doing all those chores, he was actually learning karate. Yeah, that's such a cool moment. Yeah, that's just like yeah. it has. It's a, it's it's a, it's it's a weak story that's full of amazing moments. I will watch that yeah. anytime it's on. Yeah. But have you seen the remake? Have you seen the remake? No, version? no interest. I I, I don't really have much it. interest in the sequels either. Uh, oh, you're, I mean, you're fooling seen, yourself. I've the yeah. the second one's even better than the first. I've seen Karate Kid. Oh, I don't know about that. I, I think the that. second one is good, but I don't know if it's better than the first. Oh, I don't know. I like. I really like the second one. I'll watch that every time. Oh, uh, real plus quick. It's got the glory. Plus, it's got the Peter Cetera song in it. I know, oh, I know. Oh. I know. There's nothing wrong with it. I, I guess I should say the first two, but then the third one, I never saw whatever. Uh, that's not. It's not bad. It's it's when they do the next Karate Kid that things were really start, start to, to come yeah, off. Tank. But I believe they shot well, the final scene of Karate Kid where he fights. You know the in the the final battles. The all Valley. Shot, all Valley showdown. Yeah, I believe they filmed that at uh, Cal State Northridge's gym. And uh, I remember when I was when I was going there to play basketball, someone pointed out they're like, "Yeah, this is where they shot. Uh, this is where they shot Karate Kid." Did you hear? It's You're really- the best, kind of ringing in your ears as you. Of course, I did. Sweet flag. But I'll be disqualified. Have- Problem with that. Um, yeah, we have to do that as well. We have we're gonna have a busy year, so that's okay. we'll squeeze I, that in instead of going to Dominican Republic. Idle podcasters are the devil's. <laughs> as always, send your uh, letters to us at sit80s at gmail dot com or Steve in the eighties at gmail dot com or Brad in the eighties at gmail dot com. What's happening, hot stuff? Ah, by the sound of the tone, it must be time for magical mystery <laughs> keyword. <laughs> Movie Majestic, I have no idea why I can never remember the name of this Seggy. We clearly don't do Seggies enough anymore. Is it Mystery Movie? Mystery Movie, mystery movie Moment? Mystery Movie Moment. Let no, it, that's not the it. show. It's, it's Magical Mystery Moment. What, what the hell is it? It's Mystery Movie Moment. Okay, well, there you go. <laughs> anyway, <That was laughs> pay good. attention. Here's the clip from our last podcast. I'm Edward Kimberly, the reckless brother of my sister, Anthony. <laughs> Yep, that's Dustin Hoffman and Tootsie. Um, I thought that an early 80s movie that was aimed towards adults would throw people off. Apparently not. Everybody got it right. No curveball at all. This is a batting practice fastball. Yeah. Brad, read some of the winners. Yeah, this is a long list. 
winners this week include Kevin Pipe Wench, Matt Leshen, Sergeant Bravo, Anne in Jacksonville, Christian Lopez, Cecil Calhoun, Ken, Ken Ward, is that really you? Andrew from Denver, Dr. Jean-Marc Bovey in Fort Myers, Eric from Alpharetta, Georgia, Mr. Big W, Matt Cooper, PJ Vereccia, Christine in Philly, Marty in El Paso, Todd the Toad from H-Town, Silvio LaFrosia, and the biggest, baddest guy in Three River Town, Captain Pittsburgh. Pay attention. Here's your clip for this show. If you know it, email us at sit80s at gmail.com, Stephen E80s or Brad E80s at gmail.com. And tune in next show to find out if you're a wiener. Ah, the mystical refrain of name that 80s tune. At least I know the name of this seggy. It never lets me down. <laughs> uh, we'll play a snippet of a song from the 80s. If you can get it right, um, we will add your name to the long roll of. Um, Winners, celebrities, and friends. Pay attention. Here's the clip from our last show. That's King for a Day by the Thompson Twins. Fantastic group. I actually saw them open up for the police on the Synchronicity Tour. Oh, it was the, the oh, Thompson Twins. You're going to hate me more. It was the Thompson Twins for The Fix and Berlin all open for the police. Oh, the my, my God. Yeah. It was a sweet concert. No way. Jeez, how long did it last? Not long That's enough. Long. Yeah. That's a long day. That's <laughs> and a, I, that's looked a... up the, um, I looked up the, the set list for that concert. And it's just odd. I mean, the, the police played everything. It was freaking awesome. Yeah, Jeez. I mean, that's one of the great things about living in the future is you can go back and look up the set list yeah. for any show you ever – like, did they play that? I think they did. Let me yeah. check. Oh, yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that, the set list website. I use that yeah. all the time. Uh, Brad, you have some more work to do. I do. I've got to catch my breath from the last one. <clears throat> okay. Winners include Kevin Serving Wench. Peter Ryan, Lindsay in Texas, Chris Walker, a.k.a. Spuds McKenzie, Tim in Harrisburg, PA, Christian Lopez, Cecil Calhoun, Andrew from Denver, Dr. Jean-Marc Beauvais, 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 I'm not sure, uh, Tom living next to Arnold Schwarzenegger's hometown in Austria, Marty in El Paso, Shazam from St. Louis, Alex Millimeter Peter, I haven't heard from him in a while, <laughs> Kurt in Dirty Jersey, Charles from Yorktown, Rob, your friendly neighborhood Snyder man, Snyder from New Jersey, and Scott in New Hampshire. Pay attention. Here's your clip for the show. I swear to God, I cannot, I, I, I don't know what I say anymore on a podcast. I, I've, I've said these things this for 300 episodes. I don't remember. You here's your go clip. back and listen to here's one. Your, no. <laughs> anyway, it take you know time. It, it take time. Uh, if you know it, and if you know what I normally say, that would be helpful too. Uh, save me the tr- <laughs> <laughs> email them both to uh, you know, you know the addresses by now. Don't make me say them again. Please, please tell me now. Please, please tell me now. 
Ah, PPTMN. Please, please tell me now. Um, one of our long lost seggies where someone emails us with a question about the 80s or our personal lives, preferably um, preferably the 80s. Or both. <laughs> so uh, this week we have a letter from Andrew in Denver. So, Drew, do you have the breath to make it through one more seggy? Uh, I think I do. Uh, Andrew writes, Hi, guys. I recently relocated from Augusta, Georgia to Denver, Colorado. <laughs> One of the first things, bless you, I found once I got here was a great movie theater that has locations across the country, but not in a lot of locations. I'm speaking of the Alamo Draft House. What I love so much about this theater is they have a few different special programs. The first film I saw there was part of their Bad Guys in Cinema movies for May, Big Trouble in Little Little China. However, they also have a cool event that they do each month called Action Pack Totally 80s Sing-Along Dance Party. They encourage everyone to dress in their best 80s attire for the event. Then they play an assortment of 80s music videos, and they have dancing space at the front of the theater in front of the screen. As an added bonus, they will bring you whatever drinks you want to order. So wild turkey on demand. Needless to say, I had to attend the last one, and it brought back some fond memories, as well as some wincing at the songs (laughs) that were played. You can imagine. They do encourage people to, to suggest themes or help put together playlists. So as a PPTMN, what five songs slash videos would you want to see together if you went to this event? Hope things are going well for you. Keep up the great work and the fun posts, both 80s related and travel related. I have to admit there is some jealousy on the locations you've been traveling to. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, Glendale, as California always. is pretty glamorous. Yep. Oh, wait, not me. <laughs> as always, I'm stuck in the 80s too. Andrew from Denver. Okay, so Brad and I took a whack at this, yeah, this and we came up question. with we, – we, we tried to come up with a theme. I so started like four different lists, and each of them had two songs on them. Two songs. Uh-huh. It's like um, good movie, good videos from bad movies. Uh, you know, just I couldn't come up with more than a couple. So Ultimately, we settled on Steve and Brad's list of five songs that are inseparable from their music videos. Now, did this have to be – I was – under the impression that it didn't have to be movie related, they just had to be music videos. Yeah, and that's where we went. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. We just we we came up with five songs that when you hear the song, you the imagery is is part of that. Like you okay. immediately think of the video. Okay, right. So number one, <clears throat> number one, the safety dance by Men Without Hats. Number two, Sledgehammer by Peter Gabriel. Number three, Wind Doves Cry from Prince. Number four, Addicted to Love by Robert Palmer. And number five, Walk This Way by Run DMC and Aerosmith. That's a good list. Did any of you guys learn the dance at the end of When Doves Cry that Prince and his group does? Uh, no. Or is that just Oh, the little, the little shimmy that they the do? Little, they yeah. Can... Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm ashamed to admit that one afternoon I was like, I could learn how to do that. <laughs> I taught myself that dance. Do you, do you still know it? Could you still do oh. it? Oh, Possibly, I'd have to see it. I don't. Re- I can't just stand up and, and do it. I, I thank God this is a podcast. Don't no just stand there, bust a move. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, but I did. I did learn that. Wow, that that's uh, that's shameful. Yeah. <laughs> did you put together? Did you put I together? Did a list put together well? a list. Um, I my first two were really easy to come up with. Uh, Thriller by Michael Jackson. Yeah, I think would be fun. And it, I'm picturing like everybody at the draft house. You know. Getting up and dancing and, and doing, doing the thriller dance. dance. Yeah. yeah. And then I thought uh, Opposites Attract 
by Paula Abdul, the one with her and Coop. Oh, not with the animated cat. <laughs> you are banished. Oh, my God. Come on. You got like half the group doing Paula's moves and half the group doing the cat's moves. Oh, no, Could no, no. Great. At least half the group is throwing up. <laughs> uh, oh Love is God. a Battlefield by Pat Benatar. I thought it would be oh, fun. That's got people, dance. You know, that's, that's a good, a good dance. Battle scene, yeah, that's yep. a good one. Uh, do 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 da 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 by the police because you could do break out your breast your best eighties white boy dance moves. I get the white man overbite and the chicken oh, yeah. scratcher going. Oh yeah, big time. And then what I thought would be fun is um, "We Are Not Alone" by Carla Devito. That scene from The Breakfast Club because everybody could do oh. their favorite Breakfast Club moves. Oh, you know you you did a good Jeez. job. With this, I feel really bad about my life. <laughs> I think I, I think I have to reinstate you in spite of the scat cat. <laughs> The you scat know, cat. It was a scat cat. MC cool cat. Scat I guess it was cat, cat. cat. Yeah, MC scat cat. Yeah, that's who it was. You make me cry, Jeez. dude. <laughs> I had a I couple that were inseparable from the videos for, for the wrong reason. So the first one I came up with was Rock Me Tonight by Billy Squire, which everybody oh. remembers as the video that ended Billy Squire's career. God. And the yeah. other one, this is one that I really liked when it first came out. Is, do you remember the video for Iran by Flock of Seagulls? Oh, the spinning camera? Yeah, at the time, I'm like, this is so cool. And then, you know, I see it 20 years later, I'm like, that's a camera tripod wrapped in aluminum foil. <laughs> that costs about $3 to make that video. Well, they spent or, all the money on their hair care products. Well, clearly. Uh, as always, we love your PPTMNs. Just send them to us via email. Remember to put PPTMN in the subject line. We'll be right back after this commercial break. This is Mr. T with the riddle for you. How can you solve a mystery when you don't even know there's a mystery to solve? That's what my team and I had to figure out when Robin got herself all worked up over some guy she met. And you will meet him too, the leader of a bunch of stunt drivers who call themselves the Turbo Team. Stay with us and see why I was afraid we wouldn't solve the riddle of the runaway wheels. left anyone got any more george harrison trivia for us i do have a couple things uh when he released cloud nine and he had the song you know got my mind set on you it reached number one on the u.s charts and george harrison got the record for the longest span between number one hits and his previous number one was give me love give me peace on earth from 1973 So, dippy dippy stuff right there there you go and uh the guys who broke that record were the beach boys when they had kokomo so you know in in brad world that didn't happen so he still has a record <laughs> all right well I, eventually share uh i believe right now shareholds i record. stand by my original statement <laughs> <laughs> 
And well, I mean, it's it's a it's a it's a curse to some degree, or a mixed bag when you score a number one hit. Sometimes yeah. because you get you get remembered for a song that maybe you don't really want to be remembered for, and you certainly these days to get number one hit, you need to have something that everybody likes, which means you've sold it's, your soul yeah. somewhat to the devil for it, and so that's why you get stuff like Kokomo focus mm-hmm. grouped to death, right? Yeah. And so can I, can I go? Up, I'm sorry. Out? Did you have more? I had one more. Bring it. Um, give me love. Give me peace. The song that Harrison originally had the uh, you know the hit in 1973. It replaced another Beatles song from the number one. When it took over the number one spot, it actually knocked Paul McCartney and Wings' My Love out of the number one spot. Really? And it was the only time that two former Beatles held the two top chart positions in America. Wow. Cool. Jeez. So pretty bizarre. that trivia is all right for you guys. Yeah, that's good stuff. So, hey, I want to go off-piste a little bit here real quick. Um, And We don't usually uh, pimp up other podcasts on the show. But one of the ones that I listen to, and a lot of people do, is This American Life. If you don't listen to this show, this week's episode, number 526, has a segment that is an interview with Molly Ringwald where they talk about her watching Breakfast Club with her daughter for the first time. Very cool. Yeah, check yeah. it out. Check it out. I mean, it's a good podcast. Week in, week out, I enjoy it. But that one Oh, sure. Some, Everyone loves that. I mean, I listen to uh, it. 80s cred. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they'll pimp us in return. Yeah, I, we can only hope. I'll, I'll drop Ira a note. And if yeah, I could just that's... say one one last thing about George, if I can just, if you don't mind. I, I don't mean, know. the problem I had with Paul McCartney is I feel Paul McCartney, especially his songs in the 80s, you know, Pipes of Peace and all that stuff, it's always, it's kind of preachy. It's, you need to do this. You need to do this. And and it's not just me, but you. everybody needs to do it. I always felt that with George Harrison, his songs were, I'm doing this for myself to make myself a better person. And I, I always appreciated that. And I, I think that's why I like George the best of the Beatles, especially in the 80s, is because it's all about him trying to better himself and not forcing you to go with him. Hmm. It's just, I'm going to do this and I'm going to be better for it. And I respect that. So there's my oh, little nice. bit of George. Oh, I'm about to cry. Don't cry. Just wait. No, we don't have room for what makes Piercy cry this week. Yeah. <laughs> what makes Piercy cry? I, I'm surprised. I mean, nobody has sent one of those in a while. In the meantime, we still have two Beatles to go. We promise they won't be five months apart. And uh, no, I'm not making that promise. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna we finish got, the Beatles Fletch. in 2015. We got we got Karate Kid. We got Cupboards. Yeah, it's, it's we haven't done year. any albums turning 30 this year. Uh, we got a lot of fertile ground to play. What we do, we'll do what we can do. Now that I don't have to travel anymore. But in the meantime, we'll always have the memories of George Harrison in the 80s, and, and we ourselves will always remain here, hopelessly, stuck in the 80s. Stuck in the 80s is a Class of 85 production. Please listen responsibly. Reader ball gag? <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Always early. Jokes. I need to stay awake. All right. You want me to hey, read the first one? 